Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10th, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast. This is an NFL Week 1 betting edition. I am Chris Raybon, joined by the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Mr. Stucky. How you doing, Stuck? What's going on, brother? I'm... Uh... Excited for NFL, a.k.a. Roger Ball, to get started here. I think we're going to be here for, what, 20 episodes or so every Thursday coming at you previewing uh, Thursday Night Football and uh, Sunday. I can't wait. Yeah, this is going to be the ultimate gambling breakdown for every NFL side from Thursday Night Football through Sunday Night Football. If you're listening, you should be able to take away uh, a couple bets. Maybe even if you're adventurous, a money line parlay. We'll give a teaser. We're going to go through, you know, our top six bets and, and then and then give you a bunch of other picks, our favorite totals. Stay tuned. We'll run through every game. And we're going to kick it off with the Thursday Night Football game. That is the Green Bay Packers. They're going to visit the Chicago Bears. The Bears are currently three-point favorites. Total is sitting right now at 46 and a half. Stuck. How are you feeling about this game? You know, does Green Bay benefit from losing Mike McCarthy? You know, they, they got rid of him at the end of last year, or is this Chicago team, you know, tough to beat week one at home, Matt Nagy? Look, the NFL season, they say, starts tomorrow night at, what, 8.20? But the official start of the NFL season is when Eddie Pinheiro attempts his first field goal. <laughs> In the NFL regression, excuse my language, is a bitch, right? And regression comes at you hard. And teams, you know, it's a parody-filled league. I always tell people this. For the most part, most teams are within three to four points of each other on a neutral field, right? So then it might be seven-point favorite at home. But most teams are, you know, then you have some really bad teams and then some elite teams. But for the most part, you know, 80%, depending on the year, are, are really close. So what happens is, look at the Jags, for example, who we'll get to. But two years ago, you know, they're in the AFC Championship game, and last year they're terrible. You know, all it takes is some bad injury luck, bad fumble luck, turnover luck, and that can happen on both sides. The Bears are a team that I think is of, you know, their their win total was seven last year, even after they got Mac, and then they won 12 games. Great injury luck, great turnover luck, one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. You know, so I think that this team, and they didn't really improve their team outside of running back, but they're really going to feel the, you know, coming back down to earth from last year's run if they can make a kick, is in their secondary. Their secondary, which is still elite, it's still one of the top five in the NFL, but losing Amos to the Packers, and by the way, the Packers, their secondary, their safeties were horrendous last year. Probably the worst safeties, maybe with San Fran in the NFL. And now they got Amos, and then the the Savage they draft, who will fit right into that system really well. But Chicago, then they also lost one of the best slot corners in the NFL and replaced him with one of the worst and Buster Screed. So I think their secondary is going to take a step back. I think the Bears in general, they're just due for some negative regression. And then on the flip side, the Packers, you know, everything went wrong. They obviously, you know, they had a ton of bad injury luck, especially on defense. Rodgers was never healthy, and they really needed a coaching change. It just wasn't working. They needed a new message, and they needed a, a more modern offense, which I think they're going to get now. It, you know, how's it all going to work out? I'm not sure. And I, th- I think it's going to be positive. And I think Aaron Jones will fit in the system. What I mean by how it's going to work out initially 
I'm not sure, especially since Riders didn't play in the preseason. It's a new scheme. You, you know, they might be working out some kinks and there might be some rust early. So I'm targeting the Packers live for that reason. And also because Mitch Trubisky, who I'm not that high on, he's excellent in the first quarter. The reason is he's great in the scripted plays. And then as soon as you get to the second quarter and the third quarter, he starts to struggle. You know, he was fifth in quarterback rating last year in the first quarter, 111.7. Second quarter, 85.6. Third quarter, 88.7. You're talking bottom third of the league. Fourth quarter, he was 95.7, which was 17th in the league, a little higher if you're playing from behind or ahead. So, you know, I think that the Bears might get off to a fast start here, maybe get a touchdown early. But I think this Packers team is going to win this game, but I want to catch them live. I think their defense can be much improved because of those safeties. You got healthy corners, you know, two rookies last year that got a ton of playing time in their second year now. So I think Packers are going to be one of the biggest turnarounds as long as they stay healthy. And the, the Bears are just due for so much regression. I think they're a seven, eight win team. So I like the Packers. Might get a little pregame if I can get three and a half or four, but I actually prefer to wait for live for some of the reasons I just mentioned. I think you're crazy. I, I think you're absolutely crazy. I think the Bears are much better than a 7-8 win team. Uh, you know, last year was tough for them. Mitch Trubisky coming off a, a year, his first year in the NFL under John Fox. That's almost like you're better off just coming, you know, straight off the street and, and, and being homeless for, for a year than, than playing quarterback under Fox. Yes, they lost Vic Fangio. I think that was big, but 10 of 11 starters remain. This is one of the top uh, defenses in the league a year ago. And at home, yeah, maybe if the line was still plus four for Green Bay or, or, or something like that, you'd even consider it. But I think the Bears are better than the Green Bay Packers. And they're treating them like essentially they're equal right now um, with the Bears being a three-point favorite at home. I do agree. I think the kicking is the one issue you worry about. But I think you know having that whole offseason for Trubisky in Nagy system, that's a real big benefit. Um, and I think you mentioned the scripted plays. Well, it's not only the scripted plays in this situation. He's going he's gonna to have a whole offseason, a whole year to kind of prepare, a whole offseason prepare for this one game, this week one. So I think this is where the Bears will be at their best. I do agree. Maybe 12-4 and four isn't quite um, in the cards, but uh, I do think that they come out strong in this game. And, like, listen, Matt, you know, Matt LaFleur in his first head coaching job, He's supposed to be an offensive guy, a McVay guy. With, with Tennessee last year, their offense actually got worse. You know, their DVOA declined. Last season, the Packers were seventh in offense. Offense is not the issue for them. But I, I don't know about Mike Pettin and how well his defense is going to kind of gel in week one. I, I mean, I still think that, yes, the, Amos is a big addition but these cornerbacks still some of some of the greenest in, in the league in terms of if you even look at their route yards per route run numbers in, in the PFF matchup charts, they're both outside the top uh, 80 in, in terms of the 96 cornerbacks. So I, I think it's going to be tough. And, and with time to prepare, I trust this Bears team uh, at home. I see where you're coming from and we're going to find out over the first couple of weeks. But I think just I think the Packers like, look, they're they're two corners who were rookies last year. Then you had Kevin King who's was, was in the second year last year and he's been hurt for the past two years. These young corners. In the NFL, which is a nightmare when you have horrific safeties and 65 safeties that got a, at least 300 snaps. The Packers safeties last year were ranked 65th and 62nd in coverage. Traymond Williams, he allowed a quarterback rating of 150 last year. And he had the most snaps on their team. I think the next highest, the next worst is like 127 or something. That's staggering. And you, you know, the safety position is so important in any defense, but especially Pettens. Putting Amos back there is such an enormous upgrade. And then you have Savage who can play his robber position. But they also added two good edge rushers in the two Smiths, Zadarian and Preston. Edge rushing, pressure, that helps. 
your secondary as well. So with the safeties, the defensive pressure, that's going to help these corners, which got a lot of experience. It wasn't great last year. The safeties were atrocious. The corners weren't great, but they were rookies playing corner. From a futures perspective, as of right now, it's my only Super Bowl future because I don't want any part of the win total. Their schedule is really hard, and they have this new offensive scheme, but the upside is high. But if it doesn't work early, they could be two and six. And, you know, because of their schedule, it's really difficult on the front end. But if they do, and it clicks, I think they get off to a hot start. The back end of their schedule is easy. And then you get Rodgers into the playoffs. I'm buying the Packers, selling the Bears. So we'll, we'll find out here tomorrow night which one of us uh, is right. Now, it doesn't mean we're right right away. But we'll, I guess we, we'll probably know about a month in. This is a good time to get the uh, coaches pep talk segment in because I think Aaron Rodgers and matter of fact, I, I think that Green Bay defense, actually, uh, I think those guys are going to need the pep talk for this week. Everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I'm really not into dreams, okay? I'm into nightmares. We're not trying to go to the Gator Bowl. We're trying to go to the Super Bowl. And to do that, you got to really try to end somebody's dream. So get into that. Okay, let's move on to the Sunday six-pack. This will be a weekly segment where Stuck and myself draft our three favorite sides. We'll have six picks in total. Essentially, the three sides we're most confident in each, but the one catch is we cannot draft the same side. So if Stucky takes a pick that I like, I have to find my fourth best pick or something like that. So should be interesting. Yeah, and a couple things to add there. We're going to do a season-long contest. We'll, we'll keep track. We'll do it for a steak dinner up in New York where your top pick is worth two points and then your other two picks are worth one point. And then we'll also give our favorite total after this segment, and that'll be worth one point. So you can get a max of five points per week. We'll add them up and see who wins. And then, you know, I'll start this week and then get a little competitive juices flowing in the podcast. Let's jump right in. Stucky, who is your number one pick? Look, my first pick, my first bet of the NFL season is on Jacksonville, the Jaguars, and Blake Bortles. Oh, wait, no, Blake Bortles is no longer there. You want to talk about one of the biggest upgrades at the quarterback position? in the NFL in the offseason was going from Blake Bortles to anybody. You've just been Bortled. They went to Nick Foles, but I don't care who they went to. There's no longer one of the biggest liabilities in the NFL under center for Jacksonville. Look, I mean, look at this Chiefs game last year. Now, you want to talk about overreactions from one year to the other and, and regression. These teams played in Arrowhead last year when the Kansas City was 5-0. and Kansas City at home was a three-point favorite. At home, they're now a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Jacksonville, and I have Kansas City's home field worth more than three points. So if nothing changed from then, you know, Jacksonville should be about a four-point favorite here. Now, obviously, the Chiefs ended up being better than we thought. Jacksonville was worse, but I think Jacksonville got significantly better in the offseason, but I think that they, you know, shored up some of their play in the trenches. I think they'll be stronger there. They're just going to be healthier. I mean, they were tormented by injuries last year. I just think that it's an overreaction to the line. Now, look, if you look at the Jaguars last year, yes, they were bad, but a lot of it was Bortles. They were two and six in games decided by six points or less. They had three losses by three points. I, I hate to do this because of, you know, the, all the trends read is 17 and three after a bye. Whenever you give them a lot of time to prepare, they've never lost a road opener with the Chiefs and Reed. I think three of the last three have been against playoff teams. But just this line, I think, is crazy. I did the Chiefs defense really improve losing Houston and Ford. A lot of people are saying it improved. I don't necessarily see it. I think still think it's a 
you know, there are a lot of holes, especially up the middle. I think you can run on them. The Jaguars defense is healthy now, and they have the corners. They have Boye, who I think is going to be a lot healthier. They have one of the only corners in the NFL who can stick with Tyree Kill. Now, they're going to play a lot of cover three, cover four, but Jalen Ramsey can stick with him. And last year, I think he'll had two catches for 20 yards. Now, over the middle and safety, there is some questions, and Kelsey could go nuts, 100 yards and a touchdown, I think, last year. But last year, the game looked like a blowout, but I think Bortles turned it over four times. There was a pick six. He had another fumble. I think there was a pick off a helmet. I think the Jaguars are going to be significantly improved. It's a huge home opener. I'm on the Jags here. Anything over a field goal. I think they went outright. The only thing I hate is they're starting to get trendy, and I just don't want anyone else to say they like the Jags now. Yeah, I hear you. I think a lot of the value has kind of been bet out of this line, in my opinion. It's up to, it's up to, it looks like it's a three and a half now, but it, you could, if you got it earlier in the offseason, you could have got it at four or something like that. So Filippo, the OC2, will be a much more balanced. You know, this is a team that they had, their whole mission was high blade Bortles, try to run the ball. And that really hurt Fournette, even when he was healthy. Um, he is healthy now. Not my style to bet against the, the Kansas City Chiefs, though. We'll see how it goes. Before you, before you just give your other pick, one thing that I'll say is getting to the parity and how close teams are. The Jags last year recovered 39% of their fumbles. The year before, when they went to the AFC Championship game, they recovered almost 60%. I gave you the record in one possession games. Even with Bortles, they were in a lot of games. And you get rid of Bortles, and I think things are going to go better for him this year. Big Dick Nick riding with him in week one. I mean, hey, I'll just say this. They put up 31 points on that Jags defense. I don't know if they put up any less, and I don't know if the Jaguars can score that much uh, right off the bat. So we will see. Speaking of a team that, you know, quarterback just complete 180, I am going with the Arizona Cardinals plus 2.5 at home against the Detroit Lions. Listen, last season, the Cardinals quarterbacks, Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen, who of course is now in Miami, they combined for a, a bottom five passer rating over the past half decade. So one of the five worst. It was horrible. They could not score. Uh, it made everything about the team look even worse. It magnified all of their issues on the on the O line, on defense, and whatnot. Now, listen, I don't think this is this team is going to be uh, magically like a, a playoff team right off the bat, but. At home against the Detroit Lions, I think that they can keep this game close and win outright because the Lions are kind of, I think, in some ways moving backwards in terms of their philosophy. They, you know, they hired Daryl Bevel. They want to run the ball more. They want to hide their defense. They want to do all these things. They want to slow the game down. They want to do all these things that, you know, dudes from the 1970s that, that played in the NFL then and coached then that, that won then. And I don't know. Hey, don't talk about my Ravens like that. <laughs> No, but see, but they have Lamar Jackson. That's a total, like, they built their offense around Lamar Jackson when it came to that. That They are they understood how to be forward-thinking, and they actually planned that in the offseason, uh, you know, what they would do if they had a switch. So, like, they're a forward-thinking team that's just that just kind of adapted to what they had, what their cards were dealt. Whereas the Lions, we, you know, we saw Matt Patricia, the team kind of came out slow out of the gate last year. Don't I, I don't know how much the, the players truly buy in. I just don't know that this is actually a better team than, than Arizona on a neutral field. And Arizona being at home just inclines me to lean that way. Listen, the number one thing that's going to predict and it's going to be predictive of wins uh, besides turnovers, which you can't predict in, in the NFL. They're really difficult to predict is, is, is quarterback play, an efficient quarterback play. At, at this point, I think Kyler Murray is going to be better, and this offense is going to be better than this Lions offense. 
And I think the defense is going to be better. You know, I think, I mean, I think they can outscore the, the line defense. Like I think both of these defenses are bad. I think the Lions know how to stop the run, but the Cardinals are they're going to spread them out. They're going to go four wide. That line run defense is not going to come into play enough. And what is going to happen is the same defense that Matt Patricia said, Hey, we got to hide these guys. Anyway, that pass defense, they're going to get exposed. We haven't seen anything from the Cardinals in the preseason. Um, so I think the, the, the line is kind of set in, in such a way where it's kind of like, Hey, we don't know much about this car, this Cardinal team. We're kind of, you know, putting Kyler Murray as like the default rookie quarterback. We're not really giving him credit for being uh, as good as he is. And if, if you look back at like, if you look at some uh, more advanced uh, models that predict NFL success, Kyler Murray essentially right up there with Russell Wilson, 98th percentile. So I think this team is being undervalued uh, on the market. I still think their flaws are, are probably what everyone thinks they are. You know, their defense is, is not going to be good, especially without Patrick Peterson. However, against a team that wants to slow it down, that wants to run the ball, uh, they're not going to know what hit them. So I, I love the Cardinals at home. I think this might be the best value you get uh, on the Cardinals all year. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you, your most intelligent point there, uh, among many, not saying you didn't have many, <laughs> that came off kind of like a backhanded compliment. Yeah. I just think the point that stuck out was the first game. So what is Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray going to show? There's really no tape. They can come out. They can have all their added wrinkles now in mm-hmm. four to five weeks. You know, teams are going to have that on them. You know, I just want no part of this game. But I don't want to bet the Lions as road chalk. I just don't know who's blocking for the Cardinals. I don't know who's going to defend in their secondary. I also don't know what they're going to run. I've never been, been a big Cliff Kingsbury guy, but if he has, you know, these innovative offenses and then he has someone else making the defensive decisions, it could work. Uh, this is more of a, a learn something you know, about both teams game for me, but that is the key right there. You said home opener and they have the advantage of the unknown. You put a gun to my head and make me bet this game. I'd side with you and go with the Cardinals. There you go. So for my second pick, this was tough. And, you know, week one is all about, you know, NFL people have been following me on Twitter and covers forever. I'm always about buying low, selling high, you know, there's such overreactions in the NFL market and so much money, and everyone bets the NFL. Your, your, your mailman, he bets the NFL. Now, this is a game that was very difficult for me to bet because I'm a Ravens fan, but money first. For my second pick, I'm going with the Steelers. Uh, you know, plus five and a half, plus six, preferably if you can get it. Week one against the Patriots. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions out there in the NFL, and one of them is about the Steelers and their defense. So I used to lead the charge of this. I used to say, the Steelers cannot beat the Patriots. They never will. It doesn't matter because they used to run a zone, predominant. And you cannot run a zone against Tom Brady. It is the dumbest thing you can do because they'll just pick you off with short passes, read it, they'll find the holes. You need corners and you need to press up and then you need to get pressure. Look, Mike Tomlin comes from the Tampa 2 tree and this was his influence. And once Dick LeBeau left, this is what he wanted to do. And the Steelers were a zone defense. Well, last year, they finally changed. I think it was smart. I think their second new secondary coach last year, Tom Bradley, had a lot to do with this. But they were the third highest man team in the NFL, which is shocking. Changed all the trends from the years before. And, you know, I think the Patriots were number one. Broncos were number two. Something like that. The Patriots were number one with like 58%. Colts were the lowest at 23%. We'll, we'll touch on them later. So the Steelers play man. Now, Brady, if you look at Brady's stats, you don't want any part of this bet against the Steelers, right? He's, you'll see people say Tom Brady versus Mike Tomlin's defenses since he started. Brady's 7-2, two, 232 for 318. That's a 73% completion rate. 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, two picks. At home, he's 5-0. and oh. But last year, you know, when they finally started playing more man two years ago, remember that was the Jesse James game. Pitt should have won. Last year, Pitt won 17-10. That was their man-to-man year. 
And Brady threw one touchdown, one pick. Jalen Samuels ran wild. This Patriots team, they're hurt, man. They, I mean, they lost their center. They have no tight end. I don't know who their tight end is. I'm doing this NFL podcast. I've been preparing NFL and reading about NFL just every minute in college football for the last two, three weeks. I don't know. I, I think it's a guy that the Falcons trained. I don't, I don't think Eric Saubert made the team. I think it's Matt Lacoste if he's healthy, uh, if not uh, Ryan Izzo. And then they have Lance Kendricks uh, on the roster suspended as, as well as uh, Ben Watson. So. Yeah, and that was a big weak spot of the Steelers last year, the tight end. So not having Gronk for this game in particular with, you know, Kendricks and Watson suspended, it's a big deal. Steelers, excellent offensive line, excellent defensive line. I mean, they have the most sacks in the NFL over the last two years. They can pressure Brady. Uh, this, you know, this offensive line, I think it still has to come together. There's still some strong points. It'll still be a very strong offensive line. And Brady gets rid of the ball quick, but now they can play more man. They have man corners. And this is just a classic Tomlin spot. And I'm not a big trends player, but look, Tomlin 22 and 13 against the spread in his career as a road underdog. And he's 14 and five as a, against the spread as a road underdog versus teams that are over 500, good teams, which the Patriots are. That's the most profitable out of 115 coaches since 2003. In those games where he's 14-5 and five against the spread, he's 13-6 and six on the money line, about a 72% ROI. On the flip side, Tomlin is the worst coach by far in the NFL as a road favorite. He's 13-27 and 27 against the spread. He's only 23-18 and 18 straight up as a favorite against teams that are under 500. This is a classic Tomlin spot. He's not the best X's and O's guy, but he is. He will fire that locker room up. We're going to war mentality. And that team, I think, at least, at least initially, until things fall apart, if they do, they should be, I think, more united as a team. And I think the Steelers hang throughout. And the defensive scheme change has a lot to do with it. I'd say Patriots by three. I'm with you. I think if if I had to bet this game, I'm I'm probably going with the under though, like like over uh, any of the sides, just because I, I think you made some great points about the Steelers' defense. I think you know with Brady um, having to throw against man coverage, it's not going to be quite as easy. Now, obviously, you know the Patriots tend to come out, run the ball a little bit more at home. Um, but but the reason I'm I'm a little weary is I think you know they're always a team that kind of defies whatever you, whatever you think you know about the Patriots, especially when they're in Foxborough. They they just kind of defy that. If you go back to to when Brady came back from from the injury, uh, this is the best uh, record at home against the spread of, of any team. So I, I do think that this will be a close game. I think it'll be a low scoring game. But you know, do the Patriots win by three or, or five or seven? I'm not as confident, but I do think it will go under. I have a lot of respect for their defense and what they did scheme wise against top receivers. So I don't think Juju will get off on this game. And you know, they, they held both Juju and AB under 50 yards. Yeah, their corners are excellent. Uh, yeah. All man. Right. Oh, yeah. And the scheme. So, like, I think that it, it kind of leads me to, like, I get why you're picking the dog here. You know, it, it's a 5.5 spread. Uh, probably be a closely contested game that, that Pittsburgh won last season. Yeah, I'd probably go with the under uh, 50 in this game. Uh, let's move it along here. Uh, my next pick, I am going with the Cleveland Browns, minus 5.5 uh, at home against the Tennessee Titans. Now, this is not a, a, the style of pick that I usually like here. I usually like to go with underdogs. But again, the, the most predictive thing for, for winning in the NFL is going to come down to quarterback efficiency. This is another team uh, in the Cleveland Browns that I think quarterback efficiency wise, because that we know that is what it's, it's going to go into Vegas models and, and the way they kind of set the spread. The, the Browns are another one of these teams that's probably uh, going to be the most undervalued here in week one because Baker Mayfield over the second half of the season, once Freddie Kitchens took over, this guy was a tenth of a yard 
uh, per attempt behind Patrick Mahomes over that span for the league lead in yards per attempt. Uh, over his last seven games, he took only four sacks. And, and sack rate uh, is a quarterback trait. It's, a lot of people think it's all offensive line now. An offensive line gives up, can give up pressure, um, but it's how a quarterback reacts to pressure. Um, and, and quarterbacks can also prevent pressure by just getting rid of the ball quick. So Baker Mayfield... Four sacks over his last seven games. Spread the ball around. Everyone was efficient. I mean, Jarvis Landry went uh, from under six yards to target to over eight. He targeted 10% less. He spreads it around to Perriman and Callaway and all these guys. Higgins, they're all over nine yards a target. Um, now he's got better weapons with, with Baker Mayfield, uh, with uh, Odo Beckham. Uh, Jarvis Landry is now the number two, which I think suits him better. It's going to be difficult to match up to Njoku. Higgins has uh, showed really good chemistry with Mayfield dating back to last season. And this Titans defense, I think they are a good defense, but they're better suited to, to, to play against teams without this many weapons because, you know, they're going to have their cornerbacks out there. Um, uh, they have Dory Jackson. You know, these guys can cover Logan Ryan, but um, those guys, they were targeted at the highest rate schedule adjusted in the league last season uh, where their cornerbacks and, and Cleveland has the receivers that can beat them. And I don't think on the other side of the ball that the Tennessee Titans have the offense to keep up with the Cleveland Browns if they even, you know, get down by seven. Like, you know, Cleveland has uh, great players at, at key positions on defense, you know, pass rusher, Miles Garrett. You got cornerback play in, in Denzel Ward and whatnot. So uh, this Cleveland team, I think, and, and let's not forget, they played against one of uh, the fourth toughest schedule in the league last season. So you didn't quite see, you know, Mayfield's efficiency paying off in terms of the win-loss record uh, as much as you might have otherwise but uh I, I think this team is, is a lot better than tennessee i think this is more like a, a team that's about seven better than tennessee so i want to get this line minus five five uh before it even hits that key number uh, of six yeah i don't have a strong i've been digging at this game trying to figure it out i mean the only thing that i come up with is a, i have some friends that are browns fans i'm a ravens fan i've seen their futility for years and years and years and i think they're the most talented roster uh in our division and the rightful favorite but everything i know about the browns is Something's going to go wrong. And the thing I keep coming back for, I don't. it's not worth noting to make a bet one way or the other in this game, is special teams for the Browns. They got a, a rookie punter and a rookie kicker. It's just something to keep in mind to see what happens. That's something to note. I want to see how their offensive line plays. Uh, I'll take the Titans if it gets to seven, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. I don't think it matters in this game. I think the Browns are so much better, and I think people are thinking about that futility, which is why the line is kind of stuck where it was. Because, I mean, this is all narrative-based. Like, no one's modeling past futility, just to be clear. But, yes. like, everyone thinks they're going to take Darnold or Allen or Bart. Like, they take the right quarterback. The mid, they fire, They finally fire their coach. They put the quarterback in. He's amazing. Then they luck into the Giants trading Odell. Like, everything's actually been going right for them lately. So Or, or it's just a big, <laughs> big trick. Football gods have become more evil and they're just setting it up for uh, a bigger flop yeah no like I, d- no. don't get me wrong i have i have mistakenly bet uh, against the titans at times so like i'm prepared for this pick to lose but at the same time the public's not really you know running out to bet this game so the line's not really like shifting too much um but but i i think you're gonna see just an offense that, that tennessee is gonna have a lot of trouble if you have the titans in this game you need them to ugly it up control the clock they, their kicker, by the way, just got put on the IR. But the Titans got to ugly this game up because they're not going to hit too many explosive plays oh. on that offense. And the Browns have potential for explosive plays all over the place where they could be down by three at their own 30, and all of a sudden it's, boom, 70 uh, to Beckham for a touchdown where the Titans really don't have that ability at all. I, I don't think this one's going to be close. But, uh, yeah, give us your next pick, Stacky. All right. Keep- yeah, for my last pick, I'm going with – look, I picked the Jags. And, look, I'm afraid I'm, and I'm petrified of Mahomes, obviously. And then I picked the Steelers 
going against Brady at Foxborough. So let's make it a trifecta and pick the Bills and Josh Allen on the road. Uh, you mentioned pressure, by the way. If you look at Sam Darnold last year, he had a 39 quarterback rating under pressure. The only one worse was Josh Rosen. Josh Allen was actually third worst, but he was at 47.4. Uh, still absolutely horrendous, but not as bad as Darnold. And what I think this comes down to is the Jets, they have, they have really suspect offensive line, and they don't have any chemistry. And the Bills' front seven is good. And I know the, the you know they have Lev Bell and a bunch of backs now. Bills' defensive line, number one stuff rate last year. Bills also upgraded at receiver from last year. There's still you know, some questions at corner for the Jets. I think Johnson is healthy. Tremaine Johnson is healthy to play. But there's a couple other factors. The Jets are banged up. I mean, Robbie Anderson's supposed to play, but he's banged up. Probably, you know, the calf, probably not fully healthy. There's some suspensions. You know, Chris Herndon's not playing. Um, you know, they lost Avery Will- Williamson for the season. Their linebackers are a mess. I just think the Bills are more solid. And the, the wild card here is the special teams. Last year, and you, and you might say, wait, that would favor the Jets, but not so fast, as Lee Corso would say. The Jets were the number one special teams unit in the NFL last year. The Bills were the worst. I think the Bills will be much better at special teams this year. Number one, the Jets special teams are all pro returner last year was Andre Roberts. Well, now he's a Bill, so he's going to be returning for them. You know, they also had Jason Myers, who went seven of seven in, in one of their wins last year. And one of their other wins over the Bills, Andre Roberts had like a 90-yard return. Well, Roberts on the Bills. Jason Myers is gone. Those are two pro bowlers. They're out. Now they're replacing them. Their new punt returner was going to be Greg Dortch. The most electrifying player in college football. Guess who? Greg Dortch. He's got Dortch. Wide open Dortch. What an individual effort by Greg Dortch. It's time to get torched with Greg Dortch. And he didn't get, he's on the practice squad. Now it's Braxton Berrios they signed off waivers, but he's hurt now. The return game's going to take a huge step back. Their new kicker was just claimed off waivers. When you get released by the Vikings, you're bad at kicker. And now he's going to be the Jets kicker. I mean, it's it's just bad. Then they have Sharon, uh, Sharon Peak. He was recently cut. Eric Tomlinson picked up from the Giants. Those are two of their best special teams contributors in like the coverage units. So this unit's going to be bad. You know, the Bills still have questions at a punter, major questions. But Stephen Hauschka had an off year, but he had a bunch of different holders. He was hurt towards the end of the year. He'll be fine. Andre Roberts makes their return units just exponentially better. So in a game that should be tight and ugly, I think the Bills will get more pressure on Darnold when he's where he's horrible. I think that's going to be the difference. And the Bill, the Jets spot, like the Bills are fully healthy besides Andre Roberts and, and Croft at tight end. The Jets are of suspensions and injuries, so it's not they're not fielding a full team here. And this, what I think might decide it, keep in mind that special teams edge. So go with the Buffalo Bills plus three in a game that probably should go under as well. I mean, I just got to congratulate you on naming the most players for the reason you're betting a team that probably no listener has ever heard of. I mean, this was Sharon Peak, Andre Robert, like that Eric Tomlinson. Like this was classic. He's stuff. a giant, man. You got to you got to get no Eric Tomlinson. <laughs> you didn't even uh, and you didn't even name Kare Vedvik. I mean, you mentioned him, but you didn't even say him by name. So that would have been another one. The kicker. Uh, yeah. You know, this is kind of a, a tough one for me personally, because I don't. Uh, I, I really don't know what, what's going to happen in this game. Not like most division games where you kind of have a history uh, to go off of. Uh, Adam Gase, you know, he has played in this division some. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's hard to get a feel. I do think that the Jets, I, I am a little worried with, with Anderson banged up. And I will be monitoring his health because uh, Sam Garner was one of the worst deep ball throwers in the league. Anunua struggled mightily. Uh, when, when playing as an outside receiver, which he'll have to do and, and may have to, you know, make some catches if they're going to move the ball. And if not, no Herndon. 
Yeah, right. So it's like this could quickly devolve into like, uh, you know, a lot of checkdowns. And, and the Bills have, you know, pretty good safeties back there and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Poyer. So, um, you know, they will kind of they could kind of scheme to to take things away underneath. And I don't know if the Jets can beat them over the top. I think there will be a wrinkle or two in there for Adam Gates. Like I could see like a Ty Montgomery 60 yard touchdown on like something scheme that they'll, you'll never see again because it's week one. Uh, but I have a lot of respect for Sean McDermott uh, and just what he's done every single year, both years that he's been here with this Buffalo team. If I did have to bet this game, uh, I would be going uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, for my last pick, uh, I am going to go with the Atlanta Falcons plus four uh, at the Minnesota Vikings. Now, this game is is one where I just don't think that the – I think that these teams are more even – than the line suggests. I think that the number should really be plus three. It's plus four. Um, so that's it's pr- it pretty much comes down to being as simple as that for me. Uh, a couple of changes, I think, are going to help the Atlanta Falcons, uh, uh, one on each side of the football. On offense, they are going from – uh, Steve Sarkeesian, who kind of fumbled around. You're like They had some good numbers that did the Falcons last year offensively, but uh, you know they weren't a great team, and they kind of struggled uh, in, in key situations uh, You know to kind of put the ball in the end zone. They, they were sloppy, uh, just not what you'd expect um, for, for a team putting up those kind of, of numbers otherwise. So uh, I think it's going to help going back to Dirk Cutter, who um, has familiarity with Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, in the past. So this is not like before when Matt Ryan kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit, kind of, um, you know, with new offensive coordinators. This is a guy he's worked with already for three years, um, ha- had some of his best years, um, you know, efficiency wise, you know, the NFL wasn't throwing quite as much uh, back then, um, but, you know, was was really good with Cutter, uh, going to play more up-tempo where Matt Ryan has really uh, excelled and, and they haven't really done as much as they, as they needed to. Uh, Cutter played about uh, 5% more of his time um, both with the Falcons and then the Bucks than, than did uh, Ryan with uh, since he left. So uh, Ryan's efficiency jumps up in, in the no huddle. I think you're going to see a lot of that. And, uh, on the, uh, and also, for some reason, they abandoned the run when they were in close inside the 10-yard line. Their rate of running the ball on first and second down uh, dipped into the 40s. It was previously in the 50s. And so it just put them in tough situations and made them easier uh, to defend at times when the run actually you know, can be effective. I think Minnesota's defense a little bit overrated by the public just compared to, you know, it did fall off a little bit. Xavier Rhodes was pretty poor. Uh, the secondary just wasn't, they weren't as good as they had previously been. And then on the other side of the ball, I think what's really going to help for the Falcons is uh, Dan Quinn taking over as defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, the, the Falcons have a, a certain philosophy, you know, they kind of bring it from Seattle. Um, they're going to play a lot of uh, cover three that they, they can play man, but they have more talent. Like their defense shouldn't be as, as bad as it has been over these past few years, considering the way, you know, the, the speed they have at linebacker and whatnot. So um, I think Dan Quinn uh, taking over the, those play calling duties is going to help. And so I think this is a lot more of an even team with the Vikings and, and I'm getting that extra point. Uh, which I think is key. Like if the line is, is, is just down to three, then I'm staying away. But uh, above three, three, three and a half, four, I like it. The Falcons also, uh, as you like to say, Stucky, they solidify their special teams a little, um, you know, when they brought Matt, Matt Bryant back because they were going to go into the season with uh, Gorgio Tavecchio, who uh, had been trouble. Yeah, yeah. And then the Vikings still have issues at kicker. I'm probably not going to bet this game. I agree with you on Sark. Steve Sarkeesian leaving it off. It's a coordinator. There were some hard things they were doing in Atlanta last year. Terrible injury luck last year as well. Uh, I expect a bounce back here for the Falcons. I think the, the two things I want to watch here, can the Vikings offensive line, which is atrocious up the middle, can they block Grady Jarrett, who's just a monster, or is he just going to blow up everything? I also want to see if the Vikings go with two tight end sets this year. Kyle Rudolph is back, and the kid they drafted from 
Alabama and Irv Smith. So I want to see if they use them. But if as long as the right side of the Falcons offensive line, which is one of the major question marks of the entire team, if they're healthy and they can, you know, stop Daniel Hunter from just getting in the backfield and murdering Matt Ryan, you mentioned a player, Xavier Rhodes. He is living off of his name now, just like Josh Norman. These corners, elite corners, are like major league center fielders. It takes one, or running backs. It takes one year. You hit 30 or 31, your step is gone, boom, you're done. Xavier Rhodes last year was atrocious. He's looked atrocious in preseason, and he's just no longer the lockdown corner that he was. PFF grades last three years, Rhodes, 73-8, 72-4, 58-2, plummet. He's going to probably be locked up and shadowing Julio Jones. And if you give Matt Ryan time, Jones is going to burn him. I think the Falcons are going to hit some huge plays down the field. Yeah, that's a great point. And again, I just come back to this and you're kind of laying it out, but passing efficiency um, is a major predictor uh, of winning football games. And the bottom line is all their struggles the Falcons had, offensive line, the Falcons, for all their struggles, seventh in the league uh, in in yards and attempt at 8-0. The Minnesota Vikings, they were number 23 at 7-1, and and that's in in yards per attempt. And in net yards, the Falcons were also number seven. The Vikings were 18th. So, you know, even with as good as Steelen and Diggs were, you know, it wasn't translating into, you know, efficient offense for them. Uh, I think they're going to kind of want to run more, which I always worry about. They got away with it last year against in some cake matchups against, I think it was the the Dolphins and they played the the Lions after um, they fired uh, DiFilippo. So it was like, oh, hey, you know, it, running more, it works. I don't know if it works against Dan Quinn taking over and these guys, I think that the Falcons can uh, keep it close if not win outright. Yeah, yeah it's I, a good I, point. It's to see what they're going to do. They, you know, they obviously fired, Zimmer fired, the, he said, I want to run more. Mm-hmm. They fired the offensive coordinator and they ran more. What do they do this year? You'll know that by the first game or two. So that's obviously something interesting to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now let's uh, let's go to the best of the rest. In this segment, we will run through the remaining games that we uh, that we did not discuss in the Sunday six pack. So these will be all of the remaining Sunday games. Stucky, you will be covering breaking down mo- the Monday night football game with Colin Wilson. So let us run through these games, starting with the one p.m. Eastern games. We have the Washington Redskins going to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. The Eagles are ten point favorites. Stuck. Do you weigh the points? By the way, trivia. A good trivia for all everyone out there listening. Name the Washington Redskins starting receivers this year. I'm going to say it's going to be Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn, and probably Terry McLaurin. I bet 90% yeah. of listeners, and I don't blame them, couldn't name one. <laughs> it <laughs> is it's crazy. Tough. I mean, they spent all that money for Richardson too, but uh, do you lay it? Probably not. The line's probably about right. Would you take? Would I take the Redskins? Nope. Uh, the Redskins are a mess. And the biggest thing with them is they're going to, they play a single high free safety with Nicholson. He's atrocious. You can't do it with him. So they could get beat deep here. The Eagles are so solid in every phase. This team could be really special this year. They really don't have any weaknesses. Maybe linebacker when staying healthy, maybe. Uh, so no, I, I think the line's about right. I hate laying 10 or more in the NFL. So I'm staying away. Yeah, I'm, I, I would definitely take the Eagles in this spot. You know, who's the most proven guy? Like, he, like when he comes to your team, he's raising your passing efficiency. That's Deshaun Jackson. I mean, everywhere he goes, quarterback yard per attempt skyrockets. When, when he's on the field, he's, he's scaring the defense. He's making things happen for other people. He's an upgrade on what they've had over these past couple of years, whether they're trying Aguilar outside. They were, you know, it's just, uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to watch it. Norman. Get him matched oh, up. Oh, oh, yeah. It, it, host him. I think it's yeah. the biggest discrepancy between a receiver and corner 40-wise or something. Yeah, and 
and, and we got to move on, but I'll just say this, you know, did an article on Action Network. The myth that, that you need to sit a quarterback in, in, in year one, um, it, it's a myth. So, um, you know, the Giants are just silly um, because we obviously know Daniel Jones should be taken over. But the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins did not clearly state his case for that job. I think that's worrisome. Case Keenum is not good. The Rams are good. They're going to Carolina. Carolina is a two point, two and a half point underdog. Cam Newton uh, looks like he's going to give it a go. Should have no restrictions. Uh, what do you think about this one, Stuck? Look, this is going to go back to what I said before and regression and teams aren't that good. And the Rams and the Panthers, the Rams are excellent team. The Panthers are not as bad as they were last year. Remember they were six and two or everyone was talking about Super Bowl. And then Cam Newton got hurt. Then he can mm-hmm. basically throw out the rest of their season. But just look at these two teams last year. Rams had one score games last year were six and one. They were four and zero in field goal games, plus eleven turnover margin, four more return touchdowns, you know, defensive touchdowns than their opponents. Panthers three and seven in one score games, one and three in field goal games, dead even in turnovers. I think the Panthers improved in the trenches overall with some draft picks and some signings. Newton is now healthy, his shoulder. He can actually throw the ball downfield. The Rams are. Weaker on their offensive line, still have excellent tackles, but in the middle, and it comes down to pressure. If the Panthers can get pressure, then Jared Goff, Jared Goff under pressure, he doesn't have that strong of an arm. Mechanically, if he has time to throw it, he's great and accurate. But if you pressure him, he's Josh Rosen. I mean, look, last year, he was 34th in the league at 59.8 quarterback rating under pressure. You pressure Goff. I think the Panthers are going to scheme this. I mean, you saw it in the Super Bowl as well when he was under pressure. He looked awful. But the other thing I will say is, you know, when I, when I talk about the Rams last year, when they won all those close games, they recovered 66% of the fumbles in their games. That was the highest in the NFL. Two years ago, it was 47%, right, right around average. So they were just getting lucky all over the place. They also lost Micah Kaiser, who's supposed to start at linebacker. They, you know, now they have Bryce Hager, who's basically a special teamer starting at linebacker. I think this team is a lot worse than the market is implying just because of how much success they had last year. I really like the Panthers here, but I prefer them in the first half, unless I can get a three. The Rams didn't play anyone again in the preseason. I think it's a smart move long-term, but there's going to be rust. I mean, Eric Weddle, who came into the Rams, one of their best off-season signings, said, look, he's like, I'm sure the first couple quarters, maybe even game, my timing's going to be off. You might say, oh, last year, but they blew out the Raiders. The Raiders, number one, were atrocious. Number two, the Rams are trailing at the half in that game before they went off in the second half. But they came out flat and rusty as hell. It's going to take some time. I like the Panthers in the first half here. I think the Panthers find a way to win, and I I really like them for the first half for their game if we can get three. I struggle with this one because uh, a lot of smart people I know uh, are on the Carolina Panthers. And if you look back at at the Rams and some of their road games last season, they were solid. But as you mentioned, like a lot of them, they were two-point wins. I mean, they had a two-point win, I believe it was against Seattle on the road and another game. So they only really blew out bad. However, I do think that people are underrate, like overrating the potential for regression and, and a lot of things that happened last year um, in the context of the fact that Cooper Cup was not on the field for a large portion of that season. With Cooper Cup in the lineup, 23 games, so passing attempts stabilized after about four or 500 attempts. So this is beyond that. 23 games with Cooper Cup in the lineup. Jared Goff, yards per pass attempt, 8.6. Uh, without Cup, 7.3. All those games without Cup, essentially, uh, were last year. So I, I, I think that it kind of – That's also when Todd yeah. Gurley was actually a running back. Is he still actually a running back? But listen, listen – 
Todd Gurley, a lot of people don't know this, not good in the shotgun. Over the course of the McVay tenure, so these two years, just 2.8 yards per carry out of the gun. Um, that, that's why they drafted Darrell Henderson. So they can literally give Gurley a breather and be more efficient in doing so at the same – like they accomplished so much. And I think what like what kind of tilts me toward the Rams, especially at the 2.5 number, you know, below, you know, below three, is that – with Cup being back, like I, I, I think it's going to be a lot harder um, to kind of like out scheme this team or just outplay this team. So I don't think the pressure will really like manifest itself because there's going to be the whole thing with Cup is he gives you options, opens the offense up so much. I think you see it in the numbers. So um, I, I would lean Rams if I had to bet it. Uh, but I do agree. It's a, it's a tough one because, um, you know, the, the Rams have played a ton of close games. Uh, let's let's keep it moving. Let's go a little bit uh, quicker. we got the Ravens visiting the Miami Dolphins. Ravens are a seven-point favorite there. How are you feeling about this game? I think the line's about right. The Dolphins are the worst team in the NFL. They're tanking. The Ravens should be able to move the ball down the field on the ground. I mean, everywhere you look on the Dolphins is terrible. I don't know how the Dolphins are going to score. I do like the hire of Flores, and he's a great schemer. We saw that in New England. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's a gunslinger, but I think they're just going to run the ball. They don't have receivers. The Ravens have an elite secondary. The Ravens aren't going to be able to throw the ball either. The strength of the Dolphins is in their secondary. Clock's going to be bleeding. The total's low. I think it's low score, and the Ravens find a way to win. Justin Tucker has a bunch of field goals. Bet the under. We'll, we'll see how bad the Dolphins really are. But the offensive line, there's nothing really good about this team. It's gross. Freeman. But it's my favorite under, and as you said, your favorite under is New England. We, we talked about this on the uh, the fantasy pod, but I, I have Lamar Jackson 14th, kind of middle of the pack. And one of the reasons is that low total. You just don't really know uh, if either team is going to really be able to push the other to to score a ton of points in this one. So uh, I'm with you there. Nothing really more to add. Uh, would take the Ravens if forced, but do agree that there is some you know uncertainty with Flores taking over as the new head coach for Miami. Uh, this should be a more interesting one. Colts plus six and a half at the LA Chargers. Jacoby Brissett, of course, starting at quarterback for the Colts for the retired Andrew Luck. Yeah, I think this is all about the seven. If you can get seven or more, I think you have to look at the Colts the more I look at this game. Russell Okung not being available is huge. I think the Colts are going to have a huge advantage in the trenches on both sides of the ball, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I mentioned before the Colts play zone more than any team in the NFL. They want to keep you in front of them, prevent big plays. They, have, they drop two safeties. The uh, you know, mofo, uh, for some of you familiar, the middle of the field is going to be open. The thing is, is, if you can't get pressure against an elite quarterback with an elite receivers, they can pick apart the Colts. You can pick apart the Colts if you don't get pressure. That's the biggest question, though. Can Indianapolis get pressure? I think yes, because this Chargers offensive line without Alcum is atrocious. It's as bad as the maybe the Dolphins, maybe not as bad as the Dolphins, but the, the Bengals, and it's a bad offensive line. I mean, Sam Tevy at right tackle is a joke. Okung is out. I don't even know. There's some fire, maybe a fireman at left tackle. I don't, I don't know. I forget his name, but it's bad. So I think the Colts can get pressure. Then their, their scheme works if that's the case. The Chargers offensive line is a mess. Uh, but if not, if Rivers gets time, he's going to pick apart that offense. If it's, I think if it's under seven, which it is now, maybe you look at the Chargers. But I think you should see a seven again. I think you got to look at the Colts. I think because of their advantage in the trenches, they're obviously all going to be up for it, like us against the world without luck. So I lean, I lean Colts, but wait for that seven. I think this is, you know, the right number, essentially. I mean, the one thing Rivers has going in his favor is that, you know, he can get the ball out quick. Hunter Henry back helps that. They have Eckler who, you know, even without Gordon, Eckler, great pass catcher out of the backfield. I think he'll see yeah. a lot of dumping it down. The line moved to seven and it kept getting bet back by, you know, Sharp actually kept hitting it 
you know, back down to six, five. Um, I don't think it should, you know, go to six. I don't think it should go to seven. I think it's the right number. I think we're going to move on. The Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor taking over there for longtime coach Marvin Lewis in Seattle, Seattle, nine and a half point favorites uh, as we record this Thursday. What do you think about this one? If it gets to 10, I I would look at the Bengals for no... The Bengals are terrible, by the way. And their offensive line, well, a bunch of injuries is terrible. So 10 is a lot to cover in the NFL. I, if this gets to 10, I lead Bengals. But this is a game I went zero part of. Yeah, I, I would still take Seattle uh, anything before 10 as well. Uh, I think they're clearly the better team, but they are going to run a ton. So you do worry about that high spread. And Seattle's defense, you know, starting to get a little bit uh, better. Don't know if the Bengals will be able to score. Speaking of a team that struggles to score, that was the New York Giants for, for much of last season. Uh, they did get a little better toward the end. Of course, now no Odell Beckham. Giants in Dallas. Zeke back. Looks like he's going to play about half of the game, maybe a little less. Could still touch the ball a lot, though. Um, when he's on the field, Dallas minus seven. How you feeling about this one? Uh, tr- you know, it's a divisional game. Seven Cowboys have struggled at home against the spread, especially as a favorite under Garrett. You know, these teams know each other well. Cowboys in the trenches. They have a, one of the best offensive lines football now that they're healthy. They should be able to line up, run the ball. You know, short, easy pass. They'll be able to move the sticks with much more ease than the Giants. I think that's the difference. I think the Giants can hang around. Seven plus, maybe I'd look at the Giants, but I'll personally be throwing the Cowboys uh, in a teaser as a teaser to our teaser segment. Yeah, I, I think the line is correct uh, at seven uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, may see it even go up. Um, not that it should, but uh, you know Ezekiel Elliott being back, I think, may inflate the line. Uh, Cowboys tend to be uh, a public darling, so we'll see how that goes. San Francisco 49ers going to Tampa Bay. Jimmy Garoppolo finally back regular season action for him. Bruce Arians taking over for the Bucks. This game is now a pick 'em. Uh, the Bucks were previously favored, so the line has moved against them. How do you feel about this one, Stuck? This is a game I want to watch. I don't necessarily know if I want to bet. The 49ers are intriguing to me because their defensive front is awesome. And they should be able to create a lot of pressure. And they might have one of the best defensive lines in all football. But their secondary is horrendous. Their safeties last year were horrendous. Their corners are not anything to write home about. They're going to play with, you know, one deep safety. They're going to bring a lot in the box. But if they can't get pressure, their corner, their safeties and corners are going to get burnt to all hell. But they should be able to get pressure against this Tampa offensive line, which is not great. But if Winston gets any time, Mike Evans is going to have a field day. You know, Godwin, they're going to have a field day down the field against these safeties and corners and the San Fran scheme. So I need to see what this Tampa offensive line is going to do. It's a really fascinating game because of the, the, the San Fran defense is so fascinating to me. They're just a, you know, a really questionable back end and then an awesome front end. You put a gun in my head. I'm going to say Winston makes enough plays and wins. I don't have any confidence in it, though. So I'm staying away. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on board with you. I, I am actually a little lower on Tampa Bay. I think everyone's kind of thinking, hey, Bruce Arians is here. They're going to open it up. They're going to go downfield. Well, Byron left, which is actually the OC, has been talking about, hey, Jameis needs to make smarter plays um, because, he, you know, obviously the turnovers got him benched a few times last season. So I, I don't necessarily know that they can take adva- they're going to take advantage of it like they would have a season ago, maybe, or at least try to. And I, I do agree with you. I think part of the reason uh, that you saw such bad safety play with, with the 49ers and just the secondary kind of underperforming was because of that lack of pressure. And I think they have uh, at least the pieces in place to, to get it. And they're, they're in the right matchup. So I think we could see, uh, at least for a week, kind of a, a, a somewhat improved 
uh, San Francisco defense relative to what the expectation is. So, yeah, this is one I, I'd probably lean Niners. And uh, if I had the over in this game, I don't think I would feel as confident about it as um, as you might think for, 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 for this kind of a matchup. So, you know, that, that was the last game here for Sunday. Of course, you'll be breaking down with Colin the Monday games, which should be interesting. You have Deshaun Watson, the Texans going to New Orleans and the Broncos visiting the Oakland Raiders. But let's get into we're going to do a teaser. We're going to do a total Uh, a money line parlay and then close out, get you guys out of here with our top survivor pool pick for this week. So uh, let's start with the uh, total and this will count toward We're going to keep track of our our best bets in the six pack and and the total is going to be worth uh, one point as well. So I'll go first for the total for me. I am going to go with the Pittsburgh New England under, as I mentioned, uh, underrated reason, you know, New England runs the ball about seven, eight percent more uh, at home. And they've done this over the past three seasons. Just, you know, usually you don't see tendencies with New England, but this is just something where when, when they come out at home, they want they want to run the football uh, and see if you can stop it. And that's just kind of how they go about things. Uh, and then they open it up as needed. Um, so I expect them to, to try to do that again. I think Pittsburgh, uh, you know, they only scored 10 points against Pittsburgh last year. Uh, mentioned how, how well New England has played in terms of stopping top receivers. And I think it gets harder without AB. So uh, like the under uh, 50 uh, in the Patriots and Steelers, who you got stuck? I like that, by the way, that Patriots under. I think the Patriots, with their corners, can match up against the Steelers. The Steelers are going to have to run it. They're going to have to find Vance McDonald over the middle. Uh, they're going to have to run the ball 10. And like I said before, the Steelers can now match up with the Patriots because of their scheme. Uh, and no Gronk and no tight ends down to whatever their eighth tight end is going to hurt against the Steelers. And I mentioned before the Ravens under. Wait on it. It should get to 38, 38 and a half, 39 maybe. I like the under there. The game should be ugly. I'll probably split it between first half and game. Because with a total that low, if you get one fluke, you know, one fluke touchdown, yeah, you're kind of diversifying your risk by splitting up first half and game under. So just to sum up our picks for this week in the contest, my top pick, which is worth two points, the Jags. And then I'm going with the Steelers and the Buffalo Bills is my second and third pick. My total is the Ravens under. And my other second favorite one, just to, just to say it is Bills, Jets under. And what's your recap for the contest? Arizona Cardinals plus 2.5, the Cleveland Browns minus five and a half, and the Atlanta Falcons plus four with Patriots, Steelers under 50 points. So we'll give our favorite 6.2 team teaser, our favorite underdog for, for, for betting on the money line, and we'll combine that into a parlay um, and see if it hits. We'll kind of track that as well. Um, and, uh, and, and then a survivor pool. So let's, go, let's get through these quick stuck. Uh, who is your favorite uh, teaser, two-team teaser for this week? Yeah, I'll have a piece out there on the Action Network this week. And I did it last year, too, on six-point teasers in the NFL. You actually have an edge over the book if you do a six-team teaser in the NFL that crosses through the three and the seven. So, you know, in order to win money with a six-team teaser, you need to hit at a greater than 72.4% chance. Both, you know, both teams have to have. So if we look back, you know, on our Bet Labs database, but if you look back, all NFL spreads would have covered only 69% of the time. Nice. If you tease them six points, but that's not more than 72.4%. But if they cross through the three and seven, then it does. It's actually 75%. So favorites between seven and a half and eight and a half, if you tease them down, 75%. And then if you tease one and a half and two and a half point underdogs up over seven, those are about 74% of the time. So that's if you know nothing. If you just blindly tease these two and a half or two and a half, two point underdogs up over seven and then, you know, seven and a half point uh, favorites under three, 
eight point works as well. You would, you blindly have an edge over the books. And that's why in Vegas, you know, during the NFL plus and sons, they won't let you do it. The six point T's are crossing through the three and seven, but most, most places you can, and it's really smart to do it. And then if you do, you know, teasers have more value with lower totals and, you know, there's all kinds of things that I, you know, tips for doing, you can increase your, you know, win probability even more. So I'm following my own advice here. My favorite teaser of the week is teasing a favorite down from seven and a half to one and a half. That's the Cowboys. So I think find a way to win. And then I'm teasing the Panthers from two up to eight. And I'll also be on them first half. But I think that's a one possession game and this, the Cowboys win and it meets all my criteria. So that's my favorite teaser. I'm teasing the Buffalo Bills. I wish they were at, at two five, but they're at three. Um, and then the uh, Seattle Seahawks from uh, nine five to three five. So, um, you know, not quite as not quite through the three and the seven, but there aren't many, you know, spreads I like in that range. Like I, I, I'm betting the Cardinals, you know, straight up, um, you know, decide I don't want to necessarily uh, throw them in a teaser there. So, yeah. And the next best thing you could do if you, you know, not teasing through the three and seven is if you have a team on three and you're teasing them up, you're basically teasing through the three as well. Um, that is the next best thing. Just never, don't ever tease through a zero. Right. Uh, so don't, that you're just, there's just, you're just losing so much value. Yep. Now we're each essentially going to choose our favorite underdog who we think has a shot to win outright. So essentially our favorite underdog on the money line, we're going to combine them and, and see if the parlay hits. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh, you can start it off. Uh, which underdog are you taking this week and what's the line? I am going with my beloved, well, well, we might not be saying that next week, my beloved Jacksonville Jaguars at plus 160. I think they get it done this week over the Chiefs. I think that's just a huge regression 180 uh, for the Jags, and I think they match up well. You know, uh, that's going to be one of the games I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, I'm actually going to go with my first pick in our six pack as well. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals at plus 130. I think this team is just getting underrated. They're at home. They're against a, a mediocre to poor team. Um, if we combine those into a parlay, the odds would pay out right about five to one. Yeah, we'll uh, that, track it all year. Yeah, see how we do. Yeah, you know, you'll, it'll probably be my fault that we go 0-17, but let's, uh, let's hope we don't. And we, this is one where we feel confident in this segment, this last segment, before we get out of here, our survivor pool pick of the week. We actually didn't share our picks first. Uh, this is not like we're not competing here. So if we f- both like the same team, uh, we, we can kind of you know talk about it. But I- I'll start it off. Uh, I got the Seattle Seahawks highly confident in the they'll win the game. Um, you know, I think Cincinnati is going to be one of the easiest opponents they face all year. They're in a really tough division. Uh, so I don't actually mind um, getting them out uh, of the way in week one. Uh, what about you? When he said we don't share these ahead of time, we actually send them to our producer so we can comp- we're going to compete against each other just in this. So we'll always give out our survivor picks no matter what, but we'll see how far we can advance. And some weeks we might have the same one, but we're doing it like a real survivor pool where we send our picks in because then we could talk about the strategy and game theory of it going against each other. We'll do it for a lunch. Uh, I'm going with the Eagles. I think that there. I just can't see any way that this absolutely laughable Redskins roster, which is also banged up. Uh, wins in Philly. Philly always seems to have this these weird clunkers at home once or twice a year to a bad team or they're, they either lose or they're close to losing. I don't see it here. Um, so I'm going with the Eagles. I think my, a lot of people might have it. And sometimes in week one, I like to you know go with a non-popular pick and just hope the masses fall out. But in this case, uh, I'm going with what I think is the safest pick uh, in the Eagles. 
these divisional games worry me a little just because I think if a team is going to like have a letdown, it tends to be in those games versus, you know, when there's a clear talent disparity and um, the teams haven't played, it's, it's usually a little easier. So that's kind of why I went to Seahawks. I mean, the lines are about the same. I, I expect the Seahawks to eventually get to 10 as well. Those two are clearly um, the, the top two picks in terms of the odds if you are making a survivor pick this weekend. This will do it for the week one, uh, episode number one of the Action Network podcast, uh, NFL betting edition. For Stucky, I'm Chris Raybon. Be sure to stay tuned to the Action Network podcast as Stucky will break down the Monday night game with Colin Wilson and, of course, recap uh, everything that happened in college football. Until next time, let's get this money. Go Pack Go.